Welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Izzy, and I'll be sharing the stories of industry leaders, creatives, and entrepreneurs paving a path for future generations to come. This podcast wouldn't be possible without our sponsor, Yellow Brick, which empowers dreamers to achieve their calling. With programs in film, performing arts, streetwear, music, sneakers, and so many more, it's truly taking their students and teaching them their passions, turning their passion into side hustle, and turning their side hustle into careers. So if you're interested, check them out at yellowbrick.co. Honesty Hour. I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started today. What's up, guys? Today I have on an extremely, extremely, extremely dope individual. I've said dope individual, I think, in the last like four episodes, so I got to change stuff up. But we are very honored to have on Edwin Martinez from Adidas on uh, the show today. And I'm very honored because, and very excited to have this conversation because. Edwin is someone uh, in studying his journey and in, in talking with him in previous roles that I've had, um, he's very passionate and he's someone that uh, a lot of underrepresented folks can really learn from. And yeah, so uh, Edwin, appreciate you jumping on, man. Izzy, I appreciate you for the intro. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a, it's a pleasure to have met you. It's a, it's a privilege to be on this podcast. Um, I think it's necessary for the industry, um, but I'll, I'll back up and, and just say a little bit about who I am. Um, you know, as you said, my name is Edwin Martinez. Uh, some people in a previous life may have known me as Edwin Garcia. Um, you know, a little bit about the, the, the both last names. One, it's just, it's a Latino in me, but also I, I choose to use my, my mother's last name. Uh, I grew up in a single parent household, so um, you know, all the, all the honor goes to, to my mom. So I use Martinez. Um, if, if anyone out there knows me by both, um, or has seen my name by both, uh, I'm from Los Angeles, California. Um, I've been in Portland, Oregon, uh, for now over 10 years, um, both for school and for the start of my career, uh, at Adidas North America headquarters. And I am soon going to be moving to New York City. So January 2021, I will uh, start a new role at Adidas um, in New York City. So excited for for that um, portion of my life to, life to start. Can you hit on that role? Can you elude on that? Or do you want to kind of keep that under wraps? No, I can. Um, so I actually have started that role already. So I'm, I'm working remote uh, right now out of Portland. Uh, for a role based in New York City as the uh, New York City flagship and concept store activation manager. Um, so what that means is we have three big stores. If you're in New York, the, the Spring Street Originals Global Flagship, um, the Fifth Ab uh, Brand Flagship, and Broadway, which is a, a north of Houston, um, uh, Brand Center. So I'll be managing all marketing activations that happen in those three stores, as well as helping manage some of the, uh, the marketing and traffic driving that happens in all of New York and New Jersey. I love that. That's, that's super dope. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Thank you. I think uh, what's really cool about the role that you, you speak of is a lot of people think when you say, hey, I want to, be, I want to work in the sneaker industry or I just want to work for a brand, people immediately, their their minds go, oh, you want to design, or oh, you just want to be a cashier at the retail store. But I think in learning and actually exp- like throwing yourself into the industry, you get to know all the different things that go into it. And something like an activation manager at flagship stores isn't an immediate thought 
when you think of the sneaker industry. So when you, you speak of these activations, are we talking um, shoe drops? Are we talking kind of all over the board um, type of things that you're going to be working on in 2021? Yeah, that's the crazy part about a company as big as Adidas. I mean, we have like 60,000 employees globally from, you know, some of the people that help ship the product from one place to the other, retail employees, we've got lawyers, we've got accountants, we've got people working in finance, people working in the marketing. So like you said, it is, it's a huge company. And actually before, I'm sure we'll get into it, but before I even got into Adidas, I didn't know that those roles existed. Um, so now that I'm in the company and I've had a few different roles and, and now actually find myself in, in this role in particular, what activation means is uh, what are the kinds of events we can do surrounding product or surrounding moments in time that get people to walk through those doors and give them a more pleasant experience? So how do we uh, continuously engage consumers to, to engage with the brand? Um, and that could be anything from like an athlete appearance. That could be a raffle. Uh, that could be a customization experience where we bring in artists to, to help customize uh, a piece of footwear or an apparel piece uh, or in a COVID world, a face mask, which is what we're doing right now in the stores. Um, and that's the other thing, you know, is like I'm stepping into this role in, in a brand new light um, where we're living in a, in a current pandemic. And, and maybe it's not the best look to like be bringing hundreds of people into a store. But like what's mm -hmm. the best way for us to, to safely do so in a way that, you know, engages people. And, and part of that actually is growing into digital um, which I think is the part that excites me the most is the merging of that. And um, I think right now there's a really critical point in time where you can make people feel safe and make people feel like they're living in a really premium, exclusive uh, experience with a retailer and with the, with the brand. So um, that's the kind of ex role that I'll be stepping into. Um, those are some of the things that I'll be working on. Um, you know, and I'm excited for the, you know, I'm excited to be so close to the, to the consumer and to be so close to those people walking through the doors that are excited about Adidas. Um, and just as excited as, as I was, uh, you know, when I first, you know, got into sneakers. I love that. It's, it's crazy. Um, I was looking at my guest list, um, of previous recordings and looking at where they worked and when it comes to brands, Adidas leads in, in regards to guests uh, by a crazy amount compared to all these other brands that could be or have jumped on. And I realized very quickly that it seems like there's a ton of, while yes, there's a legal process and there's uh, things that you need to bring up to your boss and everything like that. It feels like it's truly a culture that employees want to be at and employees enjoy their time so do you want to talk about your i you've been at adidas for a little bit now so not just the role that you currently sit in but from the time that you started how how that culture has really kind of captured you and and made you want to make sure that you're you're still with the brand yeah and i'll really celebrate adidas for for the culture that they build uh in particular like that's one of my favorite parts about it and you can chalk it up to to what the company does to enable that. You can chalk it up to like Portland and um, you know the United States being like a co headquarters and kind of like little brother to Germany, which is where the mothership is. Um, but I think it comes down to the kinds of people that get attracted to a brand like Adidas, which I think is built around the ethos of the brand. So I started as an intern, and I'll, I'm going to start providing examples of that of that ethos. Um, you know, I started off as an intern, I was, you know, 22 years old and I was just fighting, I was right fresh out of college and I was just fighting to get a job. Right. Um, and I started off at product marketing, uh, men's apparel training. And the biggest thing for me was at the end of it, you know, I was doing like these like mood boards. I was putting together like merch boards. Uh, I was, you know, doing, doing some data entry throughout the, uh, the three month internship and at the end of it, you know, I had about two weeks left and, and I approached my manager who I have a great like personal friendship relationship with. His name's Travis Wiseman, so shout out to him. 
Um, don't bother looking him up on on anything. He doesn't have any social media. But shout out Travis. <laughs> um, great, great guy. And I told him, I was like, look, I, I love what I've been doing. I love this brand, but I think there's a big miss. Uh, can I can I put together a project in the last couple of weeks of my internship? And he was like, yeah, like go for it. And you know, he didn't bat an eye when I said that I wanted to do something different. So you know, that's an example of it. When I brought that project to life, what that project was was actually like, how do we approach uh, a different consumer, um, and how do we approach a consumer that you know maybe we're not talking about from the brand lens? And and for me, that was very personal because it was the Latino consumer in the United States. It wasn't the Latin American consumer in Latin America, but it was like you know people like me and you um, in the United States. And how do we talk to them at a, at a brand level? And when I presented this back to to everyone in the business unit, they had never heard it. You know, like here here I am, like a twenty wow. two year old kid out of college, and you know, talking about this, you know, this very large population of the United States. And you know, you look at a brand like McDonald's, or you look at like you know the fast food places and the CPGs of the world. Like they've been on the Latino consumer for a long time. Like they've they've been trying to cash in on us for a minute. And and here's Adidas who, you know, me growing up, I was, you know, we're into we're into Adidas, we're into sneakers, and they've never heard anything like this. You know, they've never they've never heard anyone talk about it. And actually I think that's what got me the job. You know, I I, I was, you know, finishing up my internship and I didn't have anything secured. And three days pass after, you know, three days before my internship ends, I have this presentation and I was immediately approached and they were like, you know, I, we think we got a job for you. And, and so I got extended as an intern. Um, and the next role that I was able to, to land was actually in business development. So my mentor, um, who was also an Adidas employee, had a group called Internal Innovation. And within Internal Innovation, he was like, this is the kind of role for people like you, people like you that didn't care about you being an intern, just saw an opportunity and jumped on it, you know, put together a case study and and you know, wanted to, to make change throughout the organization. And, you know, a group like that existed within the brand so that no matter how big or small an idea, no matter whether this person was an intern or worked in retail, they could have a transformational idea. And I, I stepped into that role. That was my first true corporate gig, like full-time gig uh, at Adidas. And... I had the opportunity to lead these like you know pilot programs essentially like sprints like we would put out like challenges and and people would submit their ideas to solve that uh, internal business problem and and then I would create the pilot and project manage to make that happen and if it was dope it was dope and we would implement it, it and then if it wasn't we could pivot quickly and move on to the next thing. Um, and again, that was another you know instance where the the brand ethos came to life. For you know, no matter how big or small an idea, it has the ability to to change the business. We'll do it. Um, and then lastly, I stepped in the role right before this one. I stepped into uh, partnerships. So you know, how do we think differently about you know bringing certain things to life? And and that's how we brought you know product to life, such as the NASA International Space Station. Um, and for those of you that have maybe seen that product, like we actually got Ultra Boost in space. Like there's there's shoes on a spaceship, like circling the Earth right now on the International Space Station. Um, that's not like photoshopped or, or anything. Like it's up there, and we're doing tests on it, and it's gonna inform how we make better product for uh, you know our consumers and how we do so in a more sustainable way. And, and again, that, that all came to life with us thinking differently and bringing ideas to life uh, at all, you know, areas of the business. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's how Adidas, like, has really fostered that. And that's what's made me want to stay there. And, you know, I, I think that's why people want to always stay there. And that's part of the culture that people really applaud about Adidas. You hit on something interesting. Uh, you mentioned that you have a great almost friendship level maybe it is friendship level relationship with your boss um, and you have mentors. So do you, do you want to hit on or chat on, there's going to be a, a ton of people that are looking to get into the sneaker industry or are just looking to get into a new industry in general 
that don't really know how to get started. In my experience, and it seems like in your experience, building relationships is to really is the the key into getting into these new industries and everything like that. So do you want to hit on how you really started to build those relationships at from an intern level all the way to even today? Yeah, yeah. And I'll I'll give you know my my alma mater Portland State uh credit back back to those days. So I participated in a program called um the Athletic and Outdoor Certificate program. It was part of the Center for Retail Leadership um based in Portland. Um, and I think the, the, one of the things that they emphasize is, are those relationships? Um, and they actually facilitated that opportunity. So I will give credit where credit's due. And, and they brought together some of those like, um, you know, school events where they would bring in a guest speaker and, and I had the opportunity to chat with someone. Um, and so as a junior, um, I had a conversation with, uh, with, the um, internship recruiter. Her name was Jenny Smith and the internship window had already passed, so I couldn't apply for that one. Um, so I was maybe 18 months away from the next time I'd be eligible to, to start an internship. And despite that, you know, I think anyone else would have been like, all right, well, you serve no purpose to me, Jenny. So I'm, I'm not going to talk to you anymore until it's time to have an internship. Rather than taking that approach, I, you know, respectfully reached out to her often and had conversations with her and, and, you know, sent her emails with, you know, how I was doing, asking her how she was doing, asking her how things were, were going in the Adidas world and uh, just trying to have like some really uh, genuine informationals and build a relationship with, with that person come, you know, uh, a full year later and they're ready to start uh, taking applications for internships. Uh, she remembered those conversations and she was able to actually see my growth throughout that period of time. And, and it made for, you know, an easy way to get to the next step, you know, getting through the recruiter and, and other 10,000 plus applications at the time is one thing. And then, you know, putting yourself in front of the hiring manager is another. So uh, that relationship allowed me to get through to the next round. Once I got in Adidas and selected, um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. What was that? No, you're good. I was just going to say that's dope. Yeah. And then once I got into Adidas, uh, my manager, he said, you know, your job now is to get a full-time job. That's Travis. That's the guy who I, I became really good friends with, um, my intern manager. And he gave me a list of people. Um, and he said, these are all the people that if you got hired full-time in my role, you would have a cross-functional relationship with. Your designers, your developers, your merchandisers, the people that bring it to life, which at Adidas we call concept to consumer. Um you know, all the way down the line. And I want you to meet with all of them. And, and he's like, and if you run out of them, like find some more. So I have an unofficial record of the amount of coffee chats that I would have with, uh, with people. Um, like I was wired at Adidas. I would have so much coffee while I was an intern. Um, (laughs) because I probably had over a hundred coffee chats in a three month period. And this is on top of my work, right? Like this is on top of my internship work. So I would schedule these during the day as an intern and and then also have to like finish work at home because I was like, you know, meeting people while I was an intern. And it was it was less transactional. That's the one thing I do want to emphasize. Like despite the number of coffee chats that I would have, like none of those were transactional. I have all of my notes um, from when I was an intern, like three, four, uh, full notebooks of just like meetings and questions and answers that I was getting. Um, and I went with so many people and one of those people uh, that I had a really good genuine connection with became my mentor. His name was Everett Grice. Um, he's no longer at Adidas. He's a, he's a VP of a, an operational, like it's called Rome Built Company here in, in Portland. And he was the one that ran that, that innovation group internally here at Adidas. And you know, I met with him probably at the beginning of my internship, and then uh, I met with him a couple more times. You know, so the regular touch points with everyone that I met with, and whether it was an email or in passing, or you know, setting up a follow up coffee chat, I, I kept communication with these people so that they could see the growth that I was having throughout. And and ever saw me right towards the end of my internship um, as I was preparing that presentation that I that I did at the end of my internship. And he, he told me like, Hey, I think I have a role coming up. Um, 
in like four months from now. So if you're still here as an intern, uh, would love to have that conversation. And throughout, he mentored me. Like he was the one that gave me constant feedback on that presentation so that it was as powerful as it was when I presented it. And it was as powerful to, you know, keep me on past my internship and then eventually for him to hire me. Um, and for that, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just a genuine interest in in who they are as people and, you know, what you can do as part of the ecosystem of the same organization um, or the same industry or the same world to, like, make things better. And the way that I did that was I would, you know, I would ask about what they did. The next time that I met with them, I would tell them, you know, something that I maybe learned or, or things that I saw in their business, um, you know, unsolicited feedback, if you will. And, and if you do it from a place of like genuine interest, then people are really happy to, to hear you out. And so Everett and I, you know, created this relationship where I was telling them like, oh, like I see this within the product marketing team. You know, I see the breakdown between design and development and how it gets to the merchandisers. And I think there's like a point in time where we can segment the market a little bit differently based on this, that, and the other. And, and you know, this is how we could do it to project manage and create a pilot uh, so that you, you can create these like smaller business models within the company that may be more efficient at times. And that was the kind of thing that was helping him out in his work, you know, unbeknownst to me. And that was our mentorship. That was, it was based off like, you know, sitting down over a cup of coffee every couple of weeks and, and then creating a, a relationship where, you know, he was seeing me grow and then to the point where he was able to help me get into the next role, which just so happened to be on his team. But um, that's kind of how it happened. I love that. That's crazy. I, I think the coolest part about your journey is that you were, it seems like through all these coffee meetings and everything like that, like you said, you weren't, it wasn't a transactional thing. It wasn't, Hey, I'm going to sit down with you and hopefully use you as a building block to get to the next person. And I think that's, so important for anybody listening today because there's so many people just trying to get to where to to accomplish to achieve their dreams and they forget about the relationships built while achieving while trying to get there and those relationships might come back later on to help you get achieve those dreams and i think What's important for anybody to hear um, listening today is, especially from your perspective, is the fact that while you were taking hundreds of coffee meetings every day and, well, not and, while you were taking hundreds of coffee meetings every day, it felt like you were building a network and while some people might have taken that situation and said, okay, I'm going to be able to find a job like within a week. When you heard, Hey, I might have a position open in four months. You didn't even bat, a, bat an eye. You kept meeting, you kept having conversations and it, it goes to show your tenacity, man. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think if you want to, you know, anyone that wants to get in this industry and it's very cliche to say should have a passion for it. But if it's genuine, like if you truly have a passion for it, it's not just like it's not about the resale value. It's not about how cool you look. It's not about your own ego, but like it's a it's a true passion for either, you know, the kinds of things that this industry facilitates, a.k.a. sports or, or fashion. Um, you know, if you're passionate or retail, if you're passionate about those kinds of things, then it becomes very easy for you to have conversations with dope people. They just become your friends, you know, and it's 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 really easy to do that but you have to be passionate about it people can read through it and if it becomes transactional then you know it may get you as far as you want for for one role but it becomes increasingly harder to connect with the people that you know share a similar passion um and and will one day you know be you know be the ceo or the vps or the directors of a place like adidas um and if, if you demonstrate that passion throughout and you're genuine throughout your journey, then, you know, people will remember that. Exactly. Exactly, man. Well, moving into your, or moving on into your journey, you mentioned you hit, you worked in partnerships, but you also most recently before this new position worked for 
worked within a group in Adidas leading up uh, in diversity and inclusion. Do you want to hit on that role a little bit and talk about what you guys were really working on? Yeah, so I'll, I'll call it a transformational work. It was, um, you know, as a response to the senseless murder of George Floyd and the protests that ensued, the civil rights movement that we're currently experiencing, um, brands such as Adidas took a stance for what they stood for and a stance for, um, you know, the, their consumers and their employees and, you know, our colleagues. Um, and I should add here, I think this is this is the point in time where I say that all of these views are my own, not my employer's. Um, it was just my experience having worked in this, um, and I'll, I'll continue. Uh, and so as a, as a response to those things, we, we put together a transformational group. Um, it was led by a coalition of, of our, you know, black colleagues that felt like the brand needed to take a bigger stance than just, a, an Instagram post or a, a Twitter post or just social media mention, um, and that we needed to, to make a real commitment. And we were probably the first first brand internally to, again, that goes back to the Adidas culture of like, if you see, see a problem and you raise it and you, have, you provide a solution, Adidas is willing to do it. So, you know, there's that ethos and, um, you know, there's that ethos presence coming to life. And then they brought together a team that could help bring that together. Like what was gonna be the commitment that we could make to black and brown communities um, as a response to the civil rights movement that we were seeing. And internally, this, this work came to be called uh, United Against Racism. Externally, we, we called it Creating Less and Change Now. Um, and the culmination of that work was, uh, well, really not the culmination, but the, the start of that work was the brand saying, we're gonna donate 100 and, you know, we're going to donate over a hundred million dollars over the course of five years to black and brown communities to um, stand for the things that we stand for as a brand, but also step into the light of creating things that make a difference in communities. And, and for that, it was, uh, you know, access to sport, which is something we had already been doing as a brand and is very unique and authentic to our brand. And then access to creative pursuits, um, which is, you know, also very authentic to our brand and where we started focusing in a little bit more on the, the issues that, that matter and that make a difference in black and brown communities was education equity. And then all of that, you know, underpinned and founded on the company's purpose. Um, and, and it was about four months of uh, project managing across several groups. Um, there was about 70 people all in all that worked on this. So, Shout out to anyone that, that may be listening that was a part of that. Uh, you all made that difference happen, and we see it every day. Um, you know, we see it as organizations start to change. We see it in new hires. We see it as new VPs and board members are being hired. Like, all of the work that we did over the course of four months is all coming to life. And um, thankfully, you're right. like you said, I had the privilege of working on it and, and project managing across the commitment that we were making to, um, with those investments and specifically um, the community initiatives that we were leading, uh, which are, are more so like uh, tied to the youth. Um, and there was another group that was working on like the internal commitments of like, you know, hiring more black and brown people, being more representative of the consumer in the United States, um, you know, and, and holding ourselves accountable to ensuring that, you know, those things don't happen again. Um, like all that is happening internally. And, and it was a, an amazing and super rewarding experience. It was it was also one where, uh, for the first first time in you know my experience in my very young career, I saw everyone working towards the same goal, um, mm. which made it really easy for me as a project manager to like, you know, there were differing opinions, but bringing it back to the same thing, you know, if there was ever something that we disagreed on, it was very easy for me to go back and say like. Are we being specific? Are we being specific to the black and brown community? Yes, no. If no, then you know it's not a good idea, you know. Or like, how do we reshape it to make sure that it is as impactful as we say it's going to be, um, and in staying true to the tenets of uh, of this work? So that made it really easy. Um, but it was probably the most beneficial and the the crash course 
um, of being a project management project manager and a people leader um, that I've ever had. So that was a uh, that was four months um, culminating up until about probably five weeks ago. Um, and shout out to all the people out there that that made it happen, um, including uh, you know fearless leader uh, Kimmy, who who was really the the, the brains of it all and and help lead it um, from like a project management standpoint. That's awesome. How did, um, how did your, how did your experience in the industry impact that role? Yeah. Or your, I mean, your mindset towards that role? I'm sorry. No, I mean, for me it was, so a little bit of background about myself. Um, you know, I grew up in a single parent household, first generation, um, didn't have a lot growing up. Um, didn't live in the worst conditions, but didn't live in the best. Um, and I was, you know, the, my sister and I are the first to graduate from college. Um, and you know, all of the, you read between the lines, like all of the implications that has from a socioeconomic standpoint. So I was at one point that kid that we now as Adidas, you know, fast forward to today are trying to make a difference in their community. Right. Especially being from LA, like 100%. I'm that kid, you know, like 26 years later, I'm that kid. Um, and so for me, it was, it was personal, you know, and I was able to, to come in and, and use uh, my experience as a, as a person that wanted to fit in, as a person that wanted to play sports, as a person that maybe didn't always have access to, the, to playing at the highest level. Like I may not have been able to play AAU because my family couldn't afford it. Um, and so those are kind of the barriers that I helped uh, bring up. And, and throughout, you know, we were, we were doing this all based on, on research and, you know, there was also the personal anecdotes that I could bring in and then just ensuring that, you know, the commitments that we were, that we were making externally were truly going to make a difference in someone's life. Um, people that look like me's life in the future. Um, so that's how my experience played into it. Um, on the other end, there was, you know, like, how do we get more people that look like me into Adidas and how do we make sure that their contributions are heard? And that was another portion of it that was very, very personal to me as well because there aren't a lot of people that look like me and you um, at Adidas, you know? Like we look at the amount of Latinos um, and, and, you know, the black and African-American community in the United States. We are, you know, as it's been outlined in, in several articles about Adidas and the industry as a whole, we that's not the same representation we have internally uh which is wild right because then you think about like like think about what signs are up at Foot Locker think about what signs are up at uh your Nike store at the Adidas store it is a black and brown kids you know that's mm -hmm. who we're catering to that's who we're marketing to so if you want the support of that community like why wouldn't you also give back to it so I think everyone in the room knew that and and now we had a way to influence the process and uh, the company and the, you know our hiring practices to ensure that that, that came to life. Um, so yeah, again, really proud of the team for, for bringing that to life in, in a sustainable way and accountable way. What do you think the, and this can be from an industry perspective, not just a Adidas perspective, but what do you think the future holds um, from that perspective, from the, hiring of black and brown and, and women in general uh, what do you think the future holds yeah it's gonna be dope product right like who's mm -hmm. been making our product for who's been making the, the product that we love who's making the ones who's been making the forces who's been making uh superstars stan smith's like yeezys like who's been making that up to this point it's not us right so just mm -hmm. think about the the moment in time when uh you know black and brown men and women uh, are are coming in and and adding their contributions to it, adding their flavor to it. It's going to be just dope products. It's going to be dope events. It's going to be dope activations. Um, and and I'm excited for that. You know, I think the industry could use a shakeup. So yeah, excited for for what it will mean. I was reading a little bit into you and uh, in my research, and I I read that you're essentially you're just an avid out outdoorsman and you have been um, obviously growing up in Portland that helps a little bit you got a lot of things to do outside um, 
if you can go back and talk to 16-year-old Edwin, what would you tell him? What what would be some advice that you would give yourself? Yeah, it, it would be to just double down on your passion, you know, the things that you like, just just do them and, and master them um, to a craft. Uh, and, and not to be concerned about the, the external influences. Um, so when I was 16, we were just out of the recession. And my college, you know, I didn't go to a great high school. So my, my college counselor, even though I had great grades, I was in AP classes, college classes, whatever. I was in advanced, I had good grades. Um, he was like, have you ever thought of like a trade school? Like, I just don't think you're going to get into very many colleges. Mm. And and for that reason, like it didn't deter me from wanting to go to college. It just deterred me from the kinds of majors that I would want to do. And so I started looking at majors that I wasn't so passionate. So like a lot of people today and like a lot of college students graduating, I had three majors until I graduated. Um, you know, I'm very thankful for that experience and where it got me to because I'm, I'm still here. But if I could go back, I would I would go back and say, you know, F that counselor, disregard his opinion. And then, you know, do the things that you're passionate about. And at 16 years old, the things that I knew is that I loved my sports and I loved my shoes. Mm-hmm. That would have brought me here maybe sooner, you know, maybe with a little bit more passion. Um, and, and that's that's where I, that's what I would have done. Hmm. Interesting. What um, When we talk about growth in careers, um, there's a lot of things, and anybody that's listened to this show has heard and it's crazy amount of different failures. So what's one big failure that you've had uh, in your career or before, it doesn't even have to be both uh, personally and professionally that um, really have that, that you've learned from that, that you basically took something from that situation and said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to build off of that. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go in a little personally. I wasn't as passionate. I wasn't passionate at all, actually, about my first major at um, a different university. And and because I wasn't passionate about it, I, got, I was very, very easily distracted. And I, you know, didn't do very well in that in that university. Um, actually, wound up getting kicked out. Uh, so not a great example. To, to whoever may be hearing this, but especially, you know, if you're in college, but I wound up getting kicked out of this university. Um, and so I had to, you know, take a moment to reevaluate like what I really wanted to do. And it was at that moment that I was like, I started, I didn't immediately think about my passions, but I thought about the things that I was good at and it interests me. And, and I, and that took me down the route of engineering. And then when I got, went down the route of engineering, I started, you know, I unlocked the second door, which was, you know, what are the things I'm passionate about? And it was like people and interactions with people and product, specifically like sportswear and, and footwear. And and that took me to business. And so those, you know, that, that chain of events is what got me to into that business program and into, you know, arguably my job. So, you know, those are some of the failures that I had was choosing, you know, getting distracted because I wasn't in something that I was passionate about. And then, um, you know, second, not doing something that I loved, uh, which again, sounds really cliche, but I'm, you know, I'm an example of it and for anyone out there who that might help and, uh, you know, is, is teetering between something they're passionate about and something that they think will make the money. Um, there's a, always money in the things that you care about. That's why you, you know, you're probably paying for the things that you care about if you think about it, right? Like, um, I, I use this example for myself, like, oh, why didn't I think of it? But, you know, I thought to myself, there isn't money in sports and there isn't money in uh, footwear, yet I was constantly spending my high school and college paychecks on footwear and sports. So where is that money going? <laughs> and why wouldn't I, wouldn't, yeah. why wouldn't I work for, uh, you know, whoever's having, taking that money? Um, so if you're passionate about it, if you're spending money on it, then there's probably a job that you can make out of it. I love that. I love that. What uh? Let's get into sneakers. So th- you said you were growing up, you were into shoes. What got you into shoes? What got you into sneakers? What's what's your favorite pair? 
What are you rocking right now? Yeah, uh, that's a big one, man. So my mom would buy me two pairs of shoes a year. Like that's all I got. Mm-hmm. It was like the the footlocker. That's a Hispanic like, thing. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like the the footlocker, like uh, buy one get one fifty percent off kind of thing. And so I got two <laughs> two a year when that deal would be running, and I would get. Uh, it was my my choice, but my mom suggested always like get a white one for sunny days and get a, a darker one for days when it's raining. <laughs> and so I, I had um, I remember I had a, a pair of black Chuck Taylors. And and there's like white Nikes, I probably like a like a Delta Force, like something like that, like a, a downgrade from the Air Force One, um, but like a Delta Force, and it was a white one. And I was gonna, I sang choir growing up, and we were gonna do this big like all state choir thing, um, and it was, it was I was gonna be in front of a lot of people. It was like the first time I was in fifth grade, the first time I was gonna spend the night away from home, like not with like a family member or a friend. And we were going to go down to, you know, a different city and be put up in this hotel and then the next, you know, practice for two days and then sing in front of a lot of people. And so I was like, I got to show out, but it's in the middle of, of like the winter. And, you know, my mom hadn't let me take that white pair of shoes out and I, I stole it. I, <laughs> I went into the closet and I, I put it in my bag and I left the box there. And then I don't, this is, you know, this is like what 11 year old me, like thinking like, oh, my mom is going to go see me at this concert, but she's not going to notice these like white shoes and then come to the realization that I stole them. But anyways, like I, I wore these shoes, you know, it like boosted my confidence. I had a great week. I sang great. And then, you know, it all came to a conclusion when, when my mom, you know, uh, you know, was giving me a hug and congratulating me. And she's like, wait a minute, how'd you like, how'd you get those shoes? And, and she, she found out, but uh, that's like one of my first memories of shoes. I think I was I was really into it because it was just the the limits that you had on it. And so when I got my own yeah. money, just being able to buy my own things and um, you know feeling proud about it. Uh, you know, also played played sports. So um, you know, I was you know being from LA, I loved Kobe and, and you know uh, late '90s, early 2000s, RIP Kobe. Um, he was putting out some dope shoes with Adidas. And, and it was just, you know, it was just exciting to like, you know, have that or want to have it and seeing other people have it and getting excited about it and like going through the details and knowing that like the silhouette of his head was on the back of the shoe. Um, and, and the, now they call him the crazy eight. Um, I wanted that shoe so badly and like the, the, the all-star color, um, and that was that was Kobe's first All Star. I wanted that shoe so bad, and you know, I thought about it often. I, I could never get it when it retroed, and StockX was uh, actually didn't even exist. And then I started Adidas, and I make really good friends with this guy that I have a coffee chat with. Uh, call him Uncle T, Tony Holmes. Yeah, uh, one of like Footwear News's sneaker news's like most influential uh, people in in footwear. But he's an OG. He's been around for you know for a long time at Adidas, uh, specifically Adidas North America. And I was you know I was telling him my story and I was telling him about how I got into sneakers. And I, again, no expectation that anything would come of it. But I was like, I loved this shoe growing up. And he's like, let me let me show you something. And he's got a pair stashed away, size nine, because I'm I'm a size nine sample size. So he he hooked me up. And, and I, I literally, I only wear that shoe and I got it in what, 2017. I only wear that shoe when the Lakers would either come to town in Portland or, uh, you know, on special occasions. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's, that's like, that's my all time favorite shoe. Um, now it's not one that I wear too often, but that, that's the one, um, you know, what I'm, what I'm wearing now, uh, you know, I, I picked up, um, a pair of Premier SCs, um, and right now I'm really into the uh, uh, and the Premier SC. Why I love it is just like it's just a classic like blank canvas, oh, yeah. um, just like a leather court shoe, um, like just a great shoe uh, from Adidas is offering. And then I am getting really into the ZX series. So Adidas okay. ZX, it was a cool campaign marketing campaign that's happening right now with the with the ZX. But uh, really love what they can do with the the with the overlays. So. Um, there's a lot of color blocking that can happen. There's a lot of material differences that can happen. And it's a shoe from like the late 80s. So 
Um, that retro look is really coming back. It's a little like a chunkier, older runner. Um, and it's just, it's just a beautiful shoe and, and a lot of cool storytelling happening with that right now. I dig that, man. I, uh, f- funny, uh, that you're a Kobe fan. Cause I 100% like I was a huge Allen Iverson fan growing up, mm. uh, me and my brother and Kobe always like, obviously, I don't know. I, I think it's because growing up in Chicago, like my dad never told, like always told me like, Oh no, you, you don't root for the Lakers. Mm. And I think it's because of him growing up in the nineties and everything like that. Like he always knew like the Lakers were the bulls at one point. You don't want to be them. And, um, but like when Kobe was with Reebok, I remember grabbing a pair of, uh, Iversons and I always wanted the yellow pair that Kobe the had. The player exclusives, uh, yeah. Yeah, the player that exclusives. That was his, his free agency. It's the Kobe sneaker it, free agency. Yeah. And I was like cr- crazy about them for a long time. And my brother was always buying Iversons. I eventually ventured off into Nike and different brands, but always buying Iversons. And uh, that, w- that was the, the shoe of choice for, for us. It was the buy one, get one free at the Reebok outlet. And you got one pair of Iversons and then probably a pair of all leather um, Reebok classics. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, no, I'm mad now because of course they're they're releasing those player exclusives uh, this month with Reebok, and I'm looking at the damn prices on Go, and I'm like, all right, these will be dope because they kind of match the podcast. Like I can spend a little bit on them, and they keep going up and up, and my likelihood of me landing them without having a bot on release day is very, very low. So um, it's it's crazy how, I don't know, like everything has changed so quickly. And in, in talking with, um, OGs in the industry and everything like that. They're like, oh yeah, I could have got you that. Then I can't. I can't even touch that right now. And that's yeah. how like exclusive and how um, how how fast these things are flying off the shelves. Yeah, man. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm I'm really looking forward to that shoe. It's releasing for it's releasing sometime here at the end of November, and I, I'm I'm like I check like the the Reebok site often just to get like a confirmation of like when it's going live. Cause yeah. they keep bouncing back and forth on it <laughs> and, and I, I'm, I want it. And I, I'm like this close to trying to hit up like a, a Reebok plug that I've got out there, but you know, obviously don't want to, <laughs> don't want to abuse it. But like that, that's a shoe that I've had my eyes on for, for a minute. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. That's, it's a beautiful shoe. It's, it's a good time for it. And I hope we both get it, man. Yeah. For, for strange on purpose. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> hopefully man. But, um, obviously don't want to take up, crazy amount of your time uh, i'm gonna leave you with one one last question actually it's gonna be two questions uh two two questions one's deep and the other one's a, a, a little uh over the water but um when it's all said and done what impact do you want to live on leave on the world yeah I, I don't know the world yet but in the sneaker industry um you know i want you know kids that grew up like me kids that look like me um you know children of single parents uh first generation first to go to college to be able to step into this industry and to see that brands reflect them internally and externally so that there's people that look like them inside the four walls and that outside the four walls on the marketing uh you know there's there's someone that looks like them or there's the people that represent them um you know it's Right now, we're 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 crossing that bridge. Um, Jay Balvin, uh, you know, Latin superstar, uh, born in Colombia, so n- you know, not necessarily me, but we're inching closer there. He's got a he's got a footwork collaboration with Jordan coming up. Bad Bunny has one coming up. Uh, he did something with Crocs not too long ago. Um, but like, when are we gonna start investing in on the the you know the, the Latino talent that exists here in the U.S. and and, you know, seeing that done, you know, there's so much can be said about, um, you know, people before were like, you know, I'm seeing people on the court look like me and that's why I want to hoop, right? And that, that's why I want to pursue that. That's why I want to pursue mm-hmm. that career. And I don't think that that exists authentically and strongly for people from first generation Latin homes. Um, so that that's what I want to leave on, uh, on the sneaker community 
is an investment into into kids like me i love that i um i'm gonna go off on a quick tangent but you mentioned just people that look like you um i i used to get clowned all the time when i played pickup basketball in college um i got uh, we it was me basically i was the only latin guys the, the other or latin guy uh, the other guys were all, all black and we would just hoop all the time and they would always call me either JJ Barea or Carlos Roy. And it used to yeah. piss me off so much because I had nobody else to compare myself to <laughs> other than those two. And I was like, oh, come on. There's got to be another one. There's got to be another one. And I know Carmelo um, is, I believe, 50% uh, Puerto Rican. But my yeah. my homie, Chris, he's probably listening to this. Um, he always says that he doesn't count. He doesn't count. He's he's one of us. He's one of us. You you're you're Carlos Arroyo. So um, that's <laughs> I really hope that on the court, if I ever have a boy or anything like that, there's a hundred percent Puerto Rican, uh, just Hooper one day so that or when he's growing up so that uh, he he's not called Carlos Arroyo or JJ Barea during pickup or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel that, man. I feel it. <laughs> um, but the last thing I have to ask you is there's going to be people that uh, want to tune in more on what's going on with Edwin, anything like that. Where can people find find you? Where can, find, where can people find out more about your work? Um, I know they can go into the flagship locations when there's an activation going on. But other than that, where can they find out more about you? Yeah, man. I took a instagram social media hiatus um like right as i started working with uar and the protests were happening because it was like i was living it every day being you know a you know person of color i saw it on the news i saw it on social media and then i was working on it so i took i took a little break and i it was like a complete break like like that instagram is no more like that identity is, is dead and gone um yeah. and so i'm starting a new instagram um depending on when this releases uh you know i may have 10 followers uh you know I, I i don't know but um i will definitely be more intentional about like um you know who i am what i'm doing in new york and in this role and uh that'll be on an instagram account called um edwin underscore wip uh so work in progress um Ooh, i like that yeah yeah um just a little play on how documents are saved in the industry and and who I am. So that's where people can uh, get to know me a little bit better. Love that, man. Well, I appreciate you jumping on strange on purpose. Um, if there's anything that we can do or anything like that, I think it, it should be really dope. It could be really dope if we do a, a part two in the near future, once you get your feet underneath you um, and hopefully COVID's gone and we're doing some dope activations in person and stuff like that. 100% man. Yeah. It'd be dope to, to do that. Once I'm in New York, you're going to catch me saying things like you're, uh, <laughs> Are you going to be wearing Tim? I, you know, I have tried a pair on and they look pretty good. So I might, I might have to. Hey, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, cool. I appreciate you, Adam. Yeah. I appreciate you too, man. Cheers. Yo, thanks for listening to today's episode. Again, I want to thank you for listening to the Strange on Purpose podcast. And if you haven't already, please review the podcast. It helps me a ton. Subscribe or follow us on Instagram at Strange on Purpose.